Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. My name is Jennifer Blackwood. I am part of the pastoral um, team here at City Life, and I have a wonderful family who I get to serve with. My husband was on worship this morning, the acoustic guitar. There was a lot of guitars today. That was so sweet. Thank you for serving. Yeah, the more the merrier. And my beautiful Kea and Haley and Jaden on camera and Kobe. In the media room, great, yes. So wonderful, it's like, where did that boy go? Okay, you're here, I'm so glad that you're here as well. You're part of my family, but I want to introduce, of course, my family, because they are so dear to me. And I don't take for granted that we are all in God's house together. That is a real privilege to be able to, to say that. And this is our first Sunday of Advent. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed the little candle burning in the background. This is the candle, the hope candle. And Advent is just, it's, it, was for, it was a Latin word which meant coming. And it's about anticipating and getting excited for what is to come. And it's a church tradition that's kind of stood for hundreds of years. It's not necessarily something you'd find in the Bible specifically. But it's around this anticipating that Jesus is coming. And in the Bible, you know, the Old Testament... It was all about the waiting for the coming Messiah. If you've ever read the Jesus Storybook Bible, even if you don't have kids, it's just a worthwhile one to read through. It's so beautiful because it shows you how every story whispers his name, uh, points to this rescuer that would come. And they had, this was their hope. That's what they were anticipating, that Jesus would come. And Jesus came, and it was a big deal, and that's what we celebrate. But we also now, as the church, as the family, of God, we have this greater anticipation that he is coming again. And what a joy that that is that we can be hoping for. And so we are going to talk about what are you hoping for this Christmas. Now to start off, I need three volunteers to come onto the stage. Whoever is first gets a present, okay? Three people? Yes, Matt, are you coming up? Yes! Yes, and Shayna. Yes, and Maddie. Oh, yes. Look at all these, like, young adults people. Yes. Okay. Oh, you choose it. You guys choose it. Okay. Choose one. Not, not those ones. These ones. But I want Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> she wants Jesus. Yes, I know. Okay. We'll open those after. Okay. Yeah. And um, what are you hoping for? We'll be in the package, Mandy. Money. Money. It's hoping for money. Who thinks it's money? It's from me. Probably not. Okay. Shayna. Something sweet. Oh, something sweet. Uh, An iPad. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Three, two, one. Open. Yeah, you can open it. It's Christmas. Yeah, that's a shot up Mary's box. Yeah. It's not actually those cupping things. You know, for your muscles. I don't know how they work, but... No, the, this is what I do at my house. Boxes of anything, yes? Yep. <gasps> Bible basics for everyone, how to read your Bible. A candle and something sweet, very close to an iPad. Thank you, thank you, you may have a seat. Yes, yes. Uh, no, that's okay, just leave it. Well, I'll get to it. 
Wonderful. So what are you hoping for this Christmas? There's maybe some packages. I don't know if someone's ahead of the game and they're already wrapped under the tree. Probably. There's people who do that and that's wonderful. I'm not there yet. I had these ones wrapped and my kids were like, oh, you've already wrapped presents? I'm like, yeah, they're not for you. But that's coming. But the, sometimes we're hoping, whether it's, I don't know, a new iPad or a new pair of AirPods or those boots you were checking out or that sweater. There's these hopes for what could be in that package. Or maybe for you, you're hoping for something that isn't in a package. Maybe you're just really hoping for a Christmas, finally, where there's no fights, where there's just actual peace. Or maybe you're hoping for a less awkward Christmas this year with the in-laws or whoever you have to gather with, you have to gather with. Or maybe, maybe you're just hoping for someone to spend Christmas with this year. Whatever it is you're hoping for, I want to encourage you this morning that we have the ultimate hope. And the ultimate hope is Jesus. And we're going to look at this in maybe a more peculiar way than you were thinking. We're going to actually jump into the Gospel of Luke. And the beginning of Luke, you know, Luke 1, you know, where the angel visits Mary, and Luke 2, where the birth of Jesus. These are amazing stories, and I hope you read them with your families. I hope you focus on that this season, and you hear that story a lot. But we're actually not going to look at Luke 2 today. And we're going to Talk about maybe a four-letter word that is not one that you're expecting for today. And it's a four-letter H word, but it's hell. No. Oh, you're just like, peace out. I'm gone. Don't tune out. Please stay with us, those of you watching online. You know, if you want people to leave, it's like talk about money or politics or hell. And I... I didn't actually decide to talk about hell, but I was reading through the Bible. I try and make it a practice to read from Genesis to Revelation just ongoing. Just always reading through the, the entirety of the Bible. Because there is something about reading the whole Bible that's really necessary. And I could Google hope online and give you, you know a rapid fire of all these great verses and you could be like yeah Jesus is the hope of the world this is awesome and it is so true and I want you to be encouraged in that way but I also know that there is that our the scripture is actually meant to teach us in a way to teach us and correct us and rebuke us and train us in righteousness and sometimes that requires some of the uncomfortable topics and that's kind of the theme is uncomfortable hope. So what, what, how, how is discomfort meant to actually bring things to the surface and again align us with what God is calling us to? And Jesus, he talked about hell. He actually talked about it more than anyone else of his day. And he actually didn't do it to scare people, to be like, oh, you better or else you know. He actually did it to encourage his followers that I have created a way, guys, that you can have forever connection with me. You don't have to be eternally separated from me. You have, there is a way, and I am that way. This kingdom has begun because I am here, and now there is a way. And so I want that to be the, the tone in which you hear this message, is that it's meant to encourage your heart that Jesus has made a way. He is your ultimate hope, and you do not have to question that. 
So the Bible is this incredible book, this incredible book, and it has so many incredible stories, like I said. And there is four Gospels in within this Bible that are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the Gospels are what tell the story of Jesus. And I think it's so cool that all of, the, all of these accounts of Jesus' life, this his, these historical accounts, are actually a bit different. There's overlap, but they're a bit different. I remember someone saying to me that if, if there's different witnesses brought in, you know, after a crime or something, and, and if they're interrogated, if their witness, uh, if their um, statements are exactly the same, it means they've probably, uh, yeah, they've, what's that word? Thank you. Collaborate like they've, yeah, they've already got together and this is maybe fabricated evidence because it's exactly the same. But the accounts of Jesus' life, they differ. And that, again, increases the credibility of this amazing historical document that we have. And each of the Gospels, they have different kind of themes. There's different authors, different styles of writing. And when you look at the Gospel of Matthew, the, the theme kind of is, is the growth of the kingdom. There, this, there's this growing kingdom that, that you can be a part of. And Mark, it focuses more on the preparation for the kingdom. And then when we get to Luke, it actually talks a lot about who has access to the kingdom. And it gives us lots of contrasts of rich and poor and the pride being brought low and the, the humble being brought up. Excuse me. And it's, it's an incredible um, account of Jesus' life. And I encourage you to read one of the Gospels to be able to, again, just get this full picture of the story of Jesus' life. And so instead of Luke 2, we're going to Luke 16. If you have a Bible, you can open it there or else there's going to be text on your screen. And, and this chapter of Luke, Luke 16, it actually starts with, a parable of something called the shrewd manager. And he is actually just someone who's very wealthy, who's very wise with his finance, and he uses his wealth to actually gain friends. Uh, but not for himself, but actually to connect others to God's kingdom. And that's what I believe God calls us to as those who are owners of, of anything. I mean, we're affluent North Americans. Maybe you don't think you are, but we do have a lot. And we are meant to steward what we have for God's kingdom, for the advancement of God's kingdom. And I love that that parable comes before the parable we're going to read today so that you don't feel this like, condemning, um, you know, if you're rich, you, there's, you know, there's only one place you're going. And that's not the truth. The truth is that when we look at, again, the other gospels, like in Matthew 5, when Jesus came and he, he preached his sermon on the mount, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit for the, theirs is the kingdom of heaven, which means that has nothing to do with actually being physically without money. It actually means that it is a heart posture. It is a heart condition. And that's what's essential for that access to God's kingdom. That following of Jesus requires a surrender that's at a heart level. So no matter how much you have or don't have, there is that truth that you have um, access to God's kingdom because of your heart and humility of heart. Okay. We're going to read this parable. I'm going to read it, actually. I mean, you can follow along if you want to read with me. 
We used to do that in church. There used to be words on the screen and you would read them together. We've done that a little bit. Anyway, I'm going to read it and you're going to try and pay attention for a whole, whatever this is, 20 verses. Okay? We're going to do this together. It's only 10. 19 to 31. 12. Okay, thanks. I'm just trying to keep people awake. Okay, okay. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. God bless the reading of his word. May it go out and do something in our hearts that only God's word can do in us because it is living and it is active. And this is the passage I came to as I was reading through scripture and I felt like the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me leave it. And I'm like, what do you want me to understand and know about this passage? And, and I realized I hadn't understood it much or maybe heard a lot of teaching on it. And so I don't know why, but the Holy Spirit was like, this is where you need to preach out of. And again, not very Christmassy, but... I, I felt like this is a, a message that we need to hear today. And basically, we're going to look at these two, uh, these two contrasting characters. You know, there's a lot of contrast in the Bible to bring to light something that we need to, to see. And there is the rich man and the poor man. They are in very different circumstances. And so we're going to look at that. As we go through, so there was a rich man, as we read, who was dressed in purple. Now, purple was a, was a specific type of dye that had to be imported. Only royalty wore it or people who were very wealthy. So if you were strutting down the, down the street in your, in your purple robes, people knew that you were some kind of a big deal. And I don't know if you noticed, there's a, lots of us wearing new clothes from Sweet Jolie today. Because there was a ladies' night at Sweet Jolie Friday night, and it was so fun. And not that this is, it has anything to do with anything. But the rich man was wearing beautiful things, and I'm so thankful for beautiful things to wear. I am. Uh-huh. Okay. He also had 
fine linen. So linen often referred to the undergarments of, of what you were wearing, and they were also a very expensive woven fabric. And so basically from the outside in, this he was fully clothed in all the right things. He lived in luxury every day. So his basic needs were not, not only met, but were exceeded, and he had all of his needs and wants attended to and met. Whereas we see in contrast, the beggar, the poor man, the poor man who receives a name in this parable. Do you know what's really cool is that a lot of scholars believe that this is actually a true story, not a parable, partially because there is the name Lazarus. Most parables don't name any of the characters. So Jesus in who he was could actually see the eternity of people and tell this story to be able to, again, warn them, encourage them, uh, allow them to actually see a window that, that there is, again, this way that you can walk in, that you can be forever with me. And so that is just so cool. And the name Lazarus actually means helped of God, which when you see his current state on the planet, it's like that dude has not any help because we can see that he is a beggar. He only has what is somehow given to him. And in that, in that actually um, time period, often, wait for it, the, the rich, rich would actually wash their hands with breadcrumbs and then they'd fling them out to the dogs. And they didn't have dogs like we have dogs, like, oh, come here, let me rub your belly and you can sleep in my bed. That's not the kind of dogs they had. They were like roaming mangy, mangy mutts, maybe a guard dog or two. So maybe at the gate of this rich man where, where the poor man was laid, he would hopefully get a morsel of crumbs from the rich man's table to survive one more day. So we can see that his needs weren't being met. Even his basic needs were not being met. And he was, was hoping for some type of compassion, which we see only came through the dogs licking his sores. So, but we find with these two contrasting characters that they both have a shared experience. So the time came when the beggar died. So he died. Now it says he died. It wasn't like the rich man was buried. So the poor man died, was probably thrown into a mass grave whenever his body was found. Um, often the, there was fields where they just burned these bodies and that was the end of it. And no one to, you know, honor his death or anything. Whereas we see the opposite with the, with the rich man. He was actually buried. On this earth, he received honor. He received, you know, they probably, there was paid mourners. That was kind of the, the um, practice of the time who would have made sure that he was properly embalmed and properly cared for and, and buried in a place where people could honor him even in the future. And so on this earth, that's what happened. And yet then we start to see the kingdom principle of the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And here comes the, an angel that actually takes the beggar, this poor man who's kind of useless to society, not doesn't have anything to offer, but he gets carried by the angels to the side of Abraham. Abraham is the great patriarch. He is the father of the faith, the one who received the promise directly from God that out of you would come the rescuer, the savior of the world. This is where Lazarus gets set down beside is 
Abraham. And Abraham was one of the wealthiest people who ever lived. So we do know that it's not about your wealth not getting into the kingdom. It's about your heart and your faith in God that requires, that's required for access to the kingdom. And we see the opposite with the rich man. He ends up in Hades where he was in torment. So there is, there is another place that, that is not well, the side of Abraham, the reason they say that, um, scholars believe that it's because until Jesus rose again, there wasn't, it, it wasn't a final, final destination. There was like a holding place for people who, who were followers of God. And once Jesus rose again, we now have the finished work of Christ that we can um, have access to his, his full and coming kingdom. And so, so what we see, though, is this man is in torment. And somehow he's able to see Abraham and Lazarus from where he is. And so he calls out and he says, Father Abraham. So he's trying to pull the genetics card because he's probably a Jew. But I, like Jazz preached last week, there's something about, you know, there's a vine that we are connected to because of Christ, but that's only through Christ and because of faith in Christ. It's not because of any kind of generational um, authority that we have. It's because of a, a choice to actually follow in that way. Like my mom always says, there's no grandchildren in heaven. Like there's, there's no access because of who your mom was or who your dad was. It's a, it's a personal um, choice. So, so this rich man, he calls out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. It, it's interesting how, how even in a place of torment where he's starting, he's feeling the, the consequence of, of, his, of his heart choices and he still says, you know, it's like, come and help me. Send me some comfort. Tell that beggar man who who doesn't deserve any any attention tell him to come and help me you would think he'd be begging for forgiveness he'd be crying out in repentance and that's a misconception we have of hell is that it's all these sorry people who are just begging for forgiveness and begging in repentant with repentant hearts please just come and rescue me but the truth is, is if you can imagine, and we can't, because we just don't even have a glimmer of understanding of what it would be like if we lived in a place that had God sucked out of it. There'd be no goodness. There'd be no mercy. There'd be no forgiveness. There'd be no joy. There'd be no peace. And I know we've all stood in those moments where you feel so restless, helpless, hopeless, sick. When your body's sick and you're just like, oh my goodness, I need relief. That's, that's, that's the removal. If there's, if there's no goodness, that's a life without God. And that, that is the reality of those who do not choose in this momentary life to choose Christ. And I have just this tiny little, it's in here. Okay, this is just a ball of yarn and it's not gonna be, it's an imperfect illustration because you know, eternity is so much longer. But there's a red dot on here, right? On this little piece of yarn. And I'm gonna try to throw it. Ugh. Okay, and it keeps, keeps going. And that's your life. And eternity is so much longer. 
There is so much more. And so there is, you know, like I said this morning, you know, when um, the wonderful people came up and opened these great, wonderful gifts that I prepared for them. Um, there's always something great that you're hoping for. But like I said, because it's from me, it probably wasn't a wad of $100 bills. Mandy, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, uh, but it, it was just something that I can come up with, you know, that, that I can afford. And depending on who the gift giver is changes the expectation of what could be inside, right? I mean, if Elon Musk, like, wrapped this giant car-sized box for a charity auction, you potentially couldn't even equal the amount with your donation with what was inside the box. You'd have a greater expectation. But... It depends on the giver. And we need to know that the greatest gift giver, Jesus, we can expect that what he says will happen, that what he says is true and absolute truth. And Kobe let me borrow his knife, and it's an easy open one, which is great. Okay, and I have these two boxes that I'm going to open. Maybe, Haley, do you want to open this? I'll give you the knife. And uh, I think just through here, <laughs> I should have let Jer do it. He's always scared. Yeah, okay, I think that's good. And then I can, and then just zip that one open. And we're going to get, does anybody have a guess what it says inside? No. What? Salvation. salvation. Oh, okay, that's a good guess. In Jesus is salvation. So in Jesus, this is what we know, is that in him, oops. Oh, packing tape. I always use packing tape. Okay, there we go. See, this is why I need extra time to open the presents. Oh, oh, yes, I'm, I, you just need to stay here. This one. And this one. Let's, sides, sides. Okay, great. Okay. Oh, it's that one first. It's great. Do, 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 do. Great, great. Thank you. Okay. In Jesus is the promises. Oh. Yes. Now can you guess what's in the other one? Oh. I heard it. Amen. Yes. The promises in Christ are yes and amen. And it says that he has fulfilled the promises. The promise of forever with him. What a great hope. What, what could be better than that is a promise that Jesus says is yes and amen through him. Jesus fulfilled hundreds of prophecies and he still is fulfilling the promise that he has called and said. And he actually, he wants us to know that he, he sees us in the here and now. He sees us in, in the struggle with, with disease. He sees us with our chronic pain and discomfort. He sees us in our financial struggle that it's like, I don't know if we're going to make it this month. Jesus sees you, and he sees your, your struggle in a relationship, and he, he wants full restoration for you, and he's promised it. And can you believe that if you do not see this miracle that you're hoping for, 
in the here and now, can you still believe that our God is good? And that that promise is still yes and amen. Your healing is accomplished. Your full restoration and reconciliation to God is accomplished. He has restored you. He has made a way. And we have that promise, which is yes and amen, that that full hope is in Christ. And yet, we have to realize that if it's not good yet, it's not done yet. There is still time here and now where we have to battle with this flesh, where we have to struggle in our insecurities, where we have to struggle in our financial or relationship challenges. This is the here and now where, remember, it's, it's like the now it's begun, but it's not yet. So there's still this time where there is both forces at work in the, on this planet. Something that came to me this morning that, I, you know, I'll get, let you ponder it. But who is the only one who benefits if we do not believe that hell is real? And I can let you think about that. I think it is so important to realize that there is a final judgment. And that's, you know, when we get back to our story, it says, um, Abraham, you know, he said, this is him talking to the rich man. Remember in your lifetime you received good things. It's not bad to receive good things, but remember a heart surrendered, humble before the Lord. While Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. That reversal of kingdom, that kingdom principle. And besides all this, between us and you, a chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. There is a finality. There, there is something that actually is done when it's done. That there, there is a final judgment. And we do have to be ready and watchful and waiting. And, and we want this to be something, though, that inspires us, that emboldens us to share the hope that we have. Because don't we want this person and this person and this person and this person to be there with us? I know Jesus does. He doesn't want anyone to perish. And that's why sometimes it feels like he's taking forever to return. But it's not because of his lack of care. It's because he desires each one to know him. At the end of this parable, it just, it, this rich man is begging, oh, well, send, send Lazarus again. Send him to my family. Let them know. If we could hear the voices of those who have gone before us, would we feel differently about our choices now? If, if, we, could, if we could realize how how real this is, that there is a truth, a beginning and an end, and we have a choice only in this lifetime, this little speck in our eternal existence. And this is what Abraham says to the rich man. They have Moses and the prophets. You have the living word of God. Do you study it? Do you know it? Do you let it transform and change you? Do you let it empower you and ready you to be able to share a message of hope with others? You have the living word. The living word. Humble yourselves. And the living word that can, can be planted in you, that can save you, it says in James. We need to know God's word, his truth for us. 
that can actually ready us and, and remind us of what Christ has done. And then at the very end, and this hits you hard, it says, the rich man says, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. A couple months after this, you know, the other Lazarus, so this isn't maybe the Lazarus you're thinking of, but there's another Lazarus who gets raised from the dead. And it's great. Then everybody believed. The whole world was saved. No, that's not what happened. Some believed, but it actually just whet the appetite of those Pharisees and what finally was like, we got to send this man to be crucified. And that's, that's the truth. We can hope for signs and wonders, and I'm not saying we don't, but that is not where our faith lies. It lies in the finished work of Jesus. If you need more than this, then you need too much. I just believe that, that what Jesus has done, if he doesn't do one other thing, that we have enough evidence, the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus, it changes everything. What you believe about it, it changes everything. And you have to know that it is true. It is objective truth. It does not change based on the cultural climate. It is real. And that is our great hope is that there is a new life after this life. There's a new life after death in Jesus' name. Praise him. I love that. And people have praised in the middle of their circumstances because of this truth. People who are sitting in wheelchairs praise because of this truth. And that's why we can have a joy beyond our circumstances. You know, for lack of vision, people perish. For lack of hope, for lack of seeing beyond the here and now. And we all have stuff. I mean, even in worship, I, I felt so moved watching different friends around me praising when I know their story. <clears throat> God is good. And he has accomplished for us that which we can have a hope beyond our hurt, beyond our pain. And we can praise him in the middle of it. <laughs> yes. So I leave you with this question. What are you hoping for this Christmas? Is it in a package? Is it in an experience? Or is it in a person? The person of Jesus Christ who came and lived a perfect sinless life, who became sin on our behalf so that we could have this access to his, his forever kingdom. And I hope that that message, that his message hits your heart today and gives you the truest joy this season and the truest hope. So in just this last minutes, minute I have, I just want to pray over you. And normally we stand to our feet, but I, feet, but I just want you to sit in your chair and you can close your eyes, you can bow your heads and you can repeat these words after me if your heart is just in a place where you're crying out to God. You know, no matter where you are on the spectrum, however we say, you know, it's like, oh, you're sort of saved or on your way or, you know, I once heard about Jesus or now I'm hearing for the first time. All, all of it in between, our hearts need to surrender to God every day, no matter where you're at. And so you can repeat these words after me. If it's muffled because your head is in your lap, I don't care. Say them silently if you want. But let's just say these words together as, as his kids. 
God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I am only saved by your grace. Nothing in me is enough. You are my only hope. You are the crucified, risen, and coming Savior. I surrender my life to you. I want to be with you forever. I want others to know you. Give me your boldness, God. I believe in you, Jesus, and what you have done. Help me overcome my unbelief. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for every promise that you have fulfilled and for each promise that is certainly mine because of you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.